So I wanted to tee up the conversation about content management systems. There's a bunch of them out there. You can probably talk way more intelligently than I can about the nature of those things. Um, but you and I have run into this many, many times. People want to use Wix or Squarespace or WordPress. Um, and they're often not as good as our content management system that we've developed expressly for the, for the purpose of hosting websites and doing great SEO. Um, but maybe we can chat a little bit about why and some of the mistakes people make on their way into that process. What do you got to say? I've got quite a lot to say on that subject. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, one really good example of a content management system that just um, is very popular and a lot of people like to use it is WordPress. And, and there are certainly other ones, but, uh, you know, everybody's niece and intern and uh, assistant, if left to their own device is going to want to go use a WordPress. And even a lot of web development firms are going to, to want to use WordPress because, it, you know, it's almost a de facto standard. Um, and it allows people who don't know a lot about websites to create websites. And the question is, I mean, that's great if you're building a personal website for yourself, but the question is for your business, do you really want somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience websites building you a website? Because that's what it allows you to do. And certainly there are people who have a lot of experience with websites that, that use WordPress, but they can build a WordPress site, but they don't know all the technical details and the things on the back end of it that, that you need to watch out for that are gotchas um, because they never had to code it. They never had to dig in, right? They're, they're just relying on WordPress to, to provide certain functionality. By the way, part of the functionality that WordPress provide, which is why we don't like using it, um, is it's an exploitation framework for hackers. It's what do you mean this, by that? Well, it's a huge target. Hackers know that it's very popular. Not a month goes by that dozens of security vulnerabilities are discovered in it. And it's not just WordPress itself. You, WordPress by itself is useless. In order to have a useful site with WordPress, you have to purchase a theme from somebody. And then you have to install all of these plugins. And all of these things are written by different people everywhere. And they have security holes and bugs. And some of them can be quite severe. So yes, there is a place and a time to use WordPress. It's generally not our first choice just because of the security vulnerabilities. And you really have to be on top of that. So we host websites. And we actually charge about twice as much to host a WordPress site as we do for our own content management system because it requires constant attention and security updates and reviews. Otherwise, I mean, this isn't like in theory that maybe someday, you know, one out of a million, it, it happens daily that these sites are getting hacked. And that's bad news for you if all of a sudden your site is hacked and it's, you know, serving up malware and Google finds out and they dock you and they lower you in the search engine rankings. Uh, plus, it doesn't look good when people go to your site and instead of seeing your business, they they see dirty pictures or, or whatever it is that these hackers are doing behind the scenes. So it's a big problem. No dirty pictures. No dirty pictures. Another problem that we see when uh, using WordPress sites is you get people, again, they they don't have a lot of experience. And so they install WordPress and then they pick this theme, um, which makes it even easier for them to build the site, but it makes the site so hard to maintain, so slow to load. And they have it jacked up with 50 different plugins. And then we get people complaining, well, why is my site loading so slowly? Why is my web host, they go with some cheap, you know, $10 a month web host. Why are they saying that I'm using too many resources and they're shutting down my site? 
can you fix it? And it's like they're they're hosting it at a uh, you know one of these cheap hosting places that we don't know if it's backed up. We don't you know we don't have access to the logs, so that's why we provide hosting services too because we have a really good hosting infrastructure. Um, we can have access to the logs. I can't tell you how many times we've taken somebody's WordPress site, moved it over to our servers before we started working on it, so that we can make sure that it's backed up. So that if something goes wrong when we're working on it, we can easily restore it. Um, and they have got 50 plugins they're not even using. So we get rid of everything that they don't need. And then we update it and make sure it's secure uh, and make it optimized. And all of a sudden, it's not shutting down every other day because they're using resources. And now it's loading five times as quickly as it did before. Yeah. So that's all the uh, upfront like website problems, right? And um, I got two issues that come to my desk. One is people that do all that stuff and then they call us up we're an seo company and they go hey can you seo my site and of course we can but we have to have that whole conversation with them that you just shared with us right which is well you've got to consider your hosting you got to consider your speed of loading themes plugins etc cetera, etc cetera. getting all and and of course they're spicy about that because they've just spent a ton of money to get this beautiful website built for them not understanding that the backside is in many ways more important for seo than the appearance of the site um, and, and, and so that's half the battle is people who do that before they come to us. I wish people would come to us. And by the way, if you're watching this podcast and you're interested in a website or SEO, please come to us first. Listen for a, for a free 15 minute conversation or 20 minute conversation. We can get, guide you so that you make better decisions. If you have to do WordPress or Wix or Squarespace, or whether it's better for you to use a professional content management system. That would save you tons of trouble, even if you never work with us again. But secondly, then, a lot of times these people who build the sites are going to do SEO for their clients. And what that means is using one of the SEO plugins that go with WordPress. And it's probably better than nothing, <laughs> but it's a whole lot not better than something really good. We've been in this business a long time. We've done a lot of work in the SEO world. And when we compare what we do for our clients' websites in a professional content management system versus what these SEO plugins do, there's not a lot of overlap. They have a few things that they do similarly, but a lot of it is just this kind of, uh, I don't even know what to call it, formulaic stuff. If you get a little green light in your SEO plugin, you're like, woohoo, I've done my SEO. But as a matter of fact, you haven't. You've done a, a few, you've put a little icing on the cake, but if the cake's no good, you're not going to get great, great SEO results about it. So that's kind of where I get salty about it is people want great SEO, but they want to do it with a website that's been built by somebody who just doesn't understand what SEO really is. And what we run into time and time again with uh, content management systems, WordPress included, but many others, it's like a lot of the times they won't allow you to do what you need to do for proper SEO. Sometimes they allow you to do some of the things that you need to do. And occasionally they allow you to do most of the things that you want to do. Um, but we have several examples, I think a dozen or more examples of some somebody who originally came to us with a WordPress site um, and it just wasn't getting the SEO traction that we thought it should. And they gave us the green light to recode it and put it into our content management system with clean code, fast loading, optimized images. And it even looks exactly the same and basically has the same content. And the next time we run the reports, they've dramatically improved in their SEO. And by the way, what does that mean? So the metric is, there, there are many, right? We help people with a complete, robust online presence. But the primary metric for a lot of people in the beginning is, hey, where do I show up on Google? If I'm a um, 
I don't know, car detailing company in Westland, Michigan, and someone types in car detailing Westland, I want to show up on page one, preferably on the top half of page one. And if everything goes really, really well, I want to be in one of the top one, two, or three positions on page one of Google when people type in that keyword. That's the first metric that we try to achieve. And if it goes well, it ends up resulting in more calls, more emails, ultimately more prospects. If they have an online sales platform, that means more sales. And we can measure and track it all the way from what people typed into Google in the first place, all the way to the sales. But if they have to close the sale, which most of our clients do, you know, they're selling a, an HVA system for a HVAC system for a house or selling a car or selling house painting, that's a big ticket item. And you're not just buying it online. You have to get on a phone call or get an email to sell it. But they can still tell us, hey, we got this many leads. We turned that many leads into this many clients. Uh, so they can measure that progress. I forgot where I was going with this, but the point was, if we do what we do well with SEO, that takes people from nowhere on Google to the top half of page one on Google, ideally. And I can't tell you how many times we've seen over the years where the SEO is hard. It requires a lot of effort, consistent, performed consistently over time. And the more barriers there are in between us and the work that we need to do, the less well it works. So if we have to communicate with some other guy who's developing the website and ask them for these changes, it's just, it's, it's a big barrier because it takes them a while to do it. They don't do it well. They don't do quite what we requested. So that's why, um, you know, we have the technical ability to do that stuff in house. And I was quite shocked uh, a few years ago, we uh, actually interviewed somebody who applied for a position with us and she worked for a, uh, another uh, SEO firm in town rather well-known one. And we came in and said, well, so t tell us about what you're doing. And, and oh, well, well, I write a lot of content for the website. Okay. And then when you're done writing the content, you take it to the website and you post it. Oh, no, no, I don't post it on the website. I don't have any technical skills. Well, so you give it to somebody else on your team who has the technical skills to post it. Oh, no, no, we just hand it to the client and they have to post it. It's like, that's not going to work, right? There's, there's a break in the chain there. It's like, you got to make sure that it's written well and that it's coded well and up loaded to the website well and if, if too many links in the chain that's just not going to happen yeah all the keywords have to be in the right places we've done a lot of study to make sure that all the the, the what do you want to call it dogma out there about seo is either true or not true the stuff that that we know works after 16 17 years in the business we we use the stuff that doesn't work don't bother with right we got to we got to do some myth busting in our business and by the way these days it's not what it used to be when we started it was sort of get some people to link back to your website and post a little content. Now it's a much larger pantheon of activities. We got to do social media posting, we do digital press releases, blog posting, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's not, it's not dogma that it works. It does work because we have a portfolio of clients who started here on Google and with time and patience and effort are here on Google. And there's always a line, I'm using my bookshelf as a line in this video, where when they pass through that number of contacts, that's the, what we call the holy shit moment. When the clients call us up and go, holy shit, I'm getting a lot more calls, or wow, our business has really grown. And a lot of those folks that started with us, right, seven, eight, ten years ago, still with us because they see the value in the process. Back to your earlier point, I think another thing to get your goat, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Among a long list of things to get my goat. <laughs> is when people get the, the, the order of operations wrong or the priorities wrong. And they always think at first I get the website and I make it look the way I want. And then almost as an afterthought, 
This is going to show up on Google, right? And the reality is, why do you even have a website? You, because you want it to look pretty? No, you have a website so people can find you and connect with you to do more business. So that should be the first order of operation is, what do I need to make sure that my website shows up on Google? First and foremost, before you consider whether it's going to be in WordPress or Wix or in the NSG content management system. Um, and before you decide what it's going to look like, it doesn't matter what it looks like if it's not going to show up and nobody's going to find it. You know, that's such a good point. It's a visual medium. So that's how people perceive it, right? Okay, well, it's got to look good. And it's true. It does have to look good. But uh, uh, the, 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 the emphasis you put on it is not necessarily what people think, unless they do just want a pretty brochure. And by the way, we have a lot of people that come in and go, well, I just, all I want is a website so that when people, you know, hear about me, they go and Google me, they find me and it looks fine. And maybe it's a phone number and an email on there. That's all good. But I'll tell you, the other thing we hear, and we've heard it a lot over almost two decades now is people come in and they go, well, no, I get all my business through word of mouth. Well, how's your website? Well, my website sucks. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder why you get all your business through word of mouth. Might be a reason for that. And it sucks, by the way, either visually or technically or both. Yeah, yeah. It's like somebody out there is getting that business. Could be you. Right. Yeah. And you never know what business, you know, what are you leaving on the table if you're not doing all those things right? And um, among the many things that that uh, Don and I are known for belly aching about is all the amateurs in our business. The barrier to entry to what we do is pretty low. Anybody that has a little bit of understanding of the internet can kind of claim to be doing SEO. The problem is a lot of things happen. They get overwhelmed. Their technical knowledge gets outstripped by the demands of their profession. Um, they get bored, get distracted, or they're just chasing new money and they start stop thinking about the old. Uh, one advantage of working in a more professional company like ours is Don and I are in the business of making sure our employees know what they need to do, have the resources to do it, and feel supported, right? Um, and that way they can sustain their work over a long period of time, continue to get better and amp our clients up. Whereas, you know, we hear this, you know, not on a weekly basis, but Certainly on a monthly basis, we hear this from people who come and call us and they say, holy cow, you know, I had this SEO guy promised me all this stuff. It went great for three months. Now I can't get him on the phone. wonder why. Yeah. And, and what we find sometimes when uh, um, we've had customers come to us like, hey, we just hired this huge marketing firm. They're going to design us a new website. It's going to be in WordPress. We're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, we can host it for you. Um, and and every email, because for some reason they're copying us on this, every email involves 20 people. So it's a, a lot bigger company than we are. And they design this website in WordPress. And then all of a sudden, the people at this company that are designing it start asking us, well, we wanted to do this. How do you do that? Can you do that for us? And all of a sudden, we have to do the technical stuff on the back end. It's like, well, I thought you guys were building this website. Why are you asking us? To, I mean, we're happy to help. We have the expertise. But it's like, You'd think the person that built you the website in the, in the first place would have the expertise to do this. Yeah. Else. Right. And and that's the thing, right? The small companies get overwhelmed, right? The, the solopreneurs get overwhelmed and the large companies turn into Comcasts, right? They just have a bunch of folks who, you know, are getting a paycheck and maybe aren't as good as they should be. That's not to paint everyone with the same brush. There are obviously other good SEO agencies out there, um, but we work really hard to make sure we're among the, you know, the, the ones who know what they're doing and are able to deliver with excellence and distinction time after time, month after month, year after year. 
And I, I guess the distinction is, of course, there are other good companies out there, but a lot of them where they're not good is they only focus on one side and they ignore the technical aspect, or they're only good on the technical aspect and they're horrible with the writing and the content and all that stuff. And you really need somebody who's who's good at all of that. By the way, kids, stay in school. When you go to college, study writing, learn how to write and get really good at it. And that is true, like from out here on the foothills of senility, I see it over and over again. You need to be able to communicate well, and you, and you need to be able to communicate well in writing. I see a lot of younger folks who go to college and they go, well, I got the internet, I got my phone, I don't really need to read books. And that's fine if you don't read books. But you know, half the jobs out there for recent college grads require writing skills. And the better you are at that, the less that's an impediment to, to working. And so, for example, working with us. One of the primary criteria for working with us, even though we're an internet business, is you need to be able to write well. And you need to be able to write well for a very specific kind of writing, which is internet content. If you can do that, that puts you right at the front of the, you know, out of every 30 resumes, one person gets an interview. And the reason is the other 29 probably not doing a very good job at their English writing skills. Yeah, great point. And I can't tell you how many people we've interviewed who who apply. And were, I think they were even some of them, uh, uh, you know, English majors in college or, or marketing majors. And it's like, we need some writing samples. And the, <laughs> right, <laughs> the, the stuff they give us like, no, this isn't quite what we need. Yeah. So I think the point I keep hearing about, you know, our as we're as you and I are belly aching, as we tend to do when we're left to our own devices, um, uh, uh, the, the, the theme that keeps emerging is that there's there's a kind of a uh, there's kind of the average, and then there's excellence. And excellence takes effort, takes education, um, takes consistency, takes focus, takes the desire to be excellent. Not everybody has that. Some people just want to check in, right? They want to come and relax at work, and that's okay. But if you want to be on the extra mile, you got to row the boat a little bit faster than everybody else. It requires a little bit more work. But personally, and I know you agree with this, um, the benefits you get by working twice as hard are ten times as good. Absolutely. Let me tell you, back in the day, why I oughta. Uh, back in uh, aught one when I started Network Services Group, and um, it was just me, and I part of what I was going to be doing was hosting websites for people. Um, I started off, pay, you know, getting one of those services where you pay them a few bucks a month and they host your website for you. I thought, well, this is great. And you know, anytime somebody wants me to host a website, I've got the expertise to make it all work and set it up and maintain it. But I got somebody else hosting because I don't have a server and I don't have a, a, a fat, you know, like a T1 internet connection or any of that stuff. So I'm paying these guys a few bucks a month. And I started building uh, interactive websites, you know, not, not websites that just show information, but you could type stuff into them and then it would calculate and show your result. And it would work like, how many times do you want your website to work? You want it to work 99 out of 100 times, 49 out of 50 times for it. No, you want it to work all of the time. And I'm using one of these, you know, few dollar a month web hosting companies and it would work 49 out of 50 times, 99 out of 100 times. But you type it in and it would just hang inexplicably just every so often. It's like, what's going on? So I call the hosting company. And of course, they put barriers like the guy that answers the phone or the gal that answers the phone is like, Try another web browser. Did you reboot your computer? It's like, no, that's not what it is. And it, oh, we'll escalate this to the, and then the other department takes a week to get back to you. Uh, did you reboot? And it's, it just wasn't going to happen. So I, I I quickly determined that, you know what? I need my own server and my own data facility that I can manage and maintain. I have the expertise. 
Um, and we've been hosting websites ever since very reliably, very fast and very secure. And we've got a lot more expertise than the typical hosting company to make sure that that stuff works well and that all of the things are in place, including backups. You know, it's kind of a cliche, right? The worst words you can ever hear from a service provider is I've created a ticket. (laughs) If they use those words, you know, that shit is going to take forever to fix and it's going to be done badly by a bunch of people who are getting paid 10 bucks an hour. And no personal service connection. (laughs) Right. Created a ticket. Yeah. How about just fixing my problem for me? Another thing that we quickly learned that we need to do, um, you go out and you register a domain name, you know, like nsgroupllc.com. And if you're going to have a website or have email, you need to, to register. And there's all kinds of places you can go and register, you know, GoDaddy, uh, Network Solutions, this, that, and the other. I can't tell you how many times. In fact, it, it it's rare to find that this isn't the case that, you know, some former employee registered the domain name. It's not something you have to deal with every week, every month. It's like usually every year, every five years. And whoever registered it, Maybe they even used a personal email address at hotmail.com. And now they're long gone. You don't have the password. You don't own your domain. You can't make any changes. And it's this big rigmarole uh, in order to get anything done. And this happens time and time and time again. It's rare that it doesn't happen. And so I got sick of dealing with it. It's a pain in the ass every time this happens. It's like, it, ultimately, if, if you can't recover the password and this, that, you got to like start mailing and faxing in documents and, you know, your LLC papers and copies of utility bills and wait a month for them to get back to you. It's like, it's a disaster. So we quickly realized, you know what? We need to become a domain registrar so that we don't have these hassles. We'll have control over it. We'll... The other thing is people just, even if they do have the password, they just don't renew their domain name. They call us one day. Why isn't my email working? Why isn't my website working? It's, oh, I didn't, you didn't renew your domain name, even though they sent you 50 emails about it. So we make sure, so now we register domains for our, our clients and we make sure that they're aware when it's coming up for renewal, how long do you want to renew it for? And if we don't get a response, we're, we're on them so that it's always, you know, renewed and never expires unless they want it to. Um, and that we have control over it and we're never going to u- lose the password and things like that. Yeah. And we've, you know, taken over control as much of that as we can to make sure the process is really smooth for our clients, hosting servers, you know, content management system. One thing we can't do, but I urge people to think carefully about this when they're claiming platforms, is we can't solve the problem if that's a social media platform. So we have clients that come to us and they say, hey, I've got this massive social media presence. My employee that I hired five years ago left. I can't get access to any of that stuff. And we can sometimes do so, but a lot of times we can't get access. And that means either creating a new platform and losing all of that history or just spending hours and hours and hours digging through and finding those passwords. So people have to be careful about it. Unfortunately, we can't take over Facebook. Uh, I'm not sure we'd want the headaches, even if we could. Uh, but so it just reminds people to be really cautious about that. Save your passwords in a in a password protected place. Make sure that that's saved at the corporate level and not in somebody's personal Hotmail account. Great. Yeah. And that's a great point. It's like because all, all too often people think, oh, I'll just have the intern set up. You know, these kids these days, they know about social media. <laughs> I'll, I'll, they'll set up my Twitter and my Facebook and then they're long gone. You don't have the password and that's not going to end well bad practices, just like backups. And we haven't gotten into this. And I'm sure in one of these conversations, we'll talk about backups. It's more of an IT issue. But, you know, if folks aren't backing up their data, they're just asking for an eventual problem, especially in this day and age of Trojan horses and phishing attacks and everything else. But I see on our timer that we have about five and a half minutes left to to talk. 
And if we don't talk about steak and margaritas, the deal is off. What do you got to kick us off on the steak and margarita conversation? I say, let's go back to the beginning. Ooh, what was the beginning? I don't, I've been hitting the head a lot and I don't remember things very well. You and I were on a plane to uh, Los Angeles and uh, it was a martial arts seminar. And I believe it was in February, March. The weather is not very nice in Michigan. We haven't seen the sun in six months and we land and we get off the plane and we have a little bit of time before we need to do anything. And I think you turned to me, it's like, what do we do now? I'm like, I don't know about you, but I really want to get some steak and margaritas. (laughs) (laughs) And we... So we um, from the from the hotel, right? Uh, we stopped, well, I think we checked in with the front desk or somebody that was at the seminar, and we said, "Hey, where can we get a decent steak around here?" And they said, "Hey, you can actually walk up to this this steak joint." And somehow, this other guy that was there at the martial arts seminar that we had never met before adhered himself to our party, right? And ended up walking over to the uh, walking over to the restaurant with us. I can barely remember the um, that was the pipe bomb. Honfa episode as well, wasn't it? It was indeed. Man, I don't know that we have time to get into that. I think we ought to save that because I'm really interested in the steak and margarita portion of this conversation. How well do you remember the steak and or the margaritas from that event? Well, I will say in general, there is the steak and margarita uncertainty principle. Which is? Which is much like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle where you can know where a subatomic particle is, but you you can't know the two things about it. And steak and margaritas also has an uncertainty principle, because if you go to a really good steakhouse and you get a really good steak, it's almost a sure thing they're going to have lousy margaritas, right? They might have good martinis and fancy wines, but they're not going to have a good margarita. And if you go to a place where you get a good margarita, they're probably not going to have a good steak. And so we've made it our mission to find places that can do both. And so there's the SAS, the Steak Assessment Scale, the MAS, the Margarita Assessment Scale, and then... When the uncertainty principle kicks in, there is the combined SNMAS, the steak and margarita assessment scale. And it's very hard to achieve a score of nine, much less a score over nine on that scale. True. And when when you're uh, so now we've made it our mission, like uh, half jokingly, but half serious now, more serious. Like when we go somewhere, we need to seek out steak and margaritas. And you ask the local people, it's like, hey, we're, where can we get good steak and margaritas? And they don't understand. They don't know what the steak and margarita uncertainty principle. So they give us an answer. And then you have to frame that answer. It's like, well, where else would you consider a good good steak? Would you consider Ponderosa a good steak? And if they say yes, then you know their other suggestion is totally off base. Right. Ponderosa, Outback. It's like somebody saying Olive Garden is Italian food, right? You know, right away, they have no idea what they're really talking about. So... um that's just what we call in our game a level eight failure. Not going to that place. But it's amazing, as you said, how difficult it is to get both. We've found a fairly high uh, overlap or coincidence of the of the SAS and MAS in places on the West Coast, right? Like California, just generally speaking, has better margaritas. So if you go to a good steakhouse, they're a little bit more likely to have a margarita that's passable. Um, but I've had really good steaks and really bad margaritas here in town in, in Michigan, um, in uh, in Seattle, Washington, um, in Houston, Texas. Like I've been to a lot of places that purportedly serve a good steak and the margaritas have been, you know, pretty disappointing. We have like a minute and a half. What are some characteristics we're looking for when we rate? You can choose whether you want to talk about steaks or talk about margaritas. What are you looking for in a good steak? A good steak. 
Well, it has to be high quality meat. Uh, it probably has to be a thicker cut. None, none of these one inch steaks, one and a half inches the minimum, and it has to be expertly cooked. And and we found through uh, experimentation that the best way to cook a steak is the reverse sear method. Um, though restaurants probably don't have time for that because it takes so long. Um, but uh, yeah, we we need a good cut of meat, properly seasoned and properly cooked. Yeah, and and um, happily or sadly, depending on how you look at it, our standards have been going up since you know we started this process back in whatever that was, two thousand six or or even earlier. I don't remember. Um, you know, we were sort of naive babes in the woods when it came to steaks, and so you go to any steakhouse, the steak seemed pretty good. Now it's kind of hard to find a steak. In fact, I would dare say it's a it's a it's a rare event to find a steak in a restaurant that's better than a steak that we can make at home. That doesn't mean that the battle is won. We still have to continue to pursue good steaks and margaritas in restaurants. But I would agree with you. Great, great meat, prime, well-marbled steaks, often a ribeye, sometimes a New York strip, sometimes a porterhouse or T-bone, um, properly aged, well-seasoned. Reverse sear is great, although some other methods are good if they're good at what they do. Served well. And um, of course, you can't overlook the fact that there are atmosphere points, right? It does matter where you have it, unless it's just such so ironic that it adds the experience otherwise. It turns out if you're overlooking the ocean in Maui eating a steak and margarita, you get a couple of bonus <laughs> points added on to that deal. Apparently you do, especially if they're stray kitties to feed at the same time. Yep. All right, yeah. brother. That is our episode. We've talked SEO. We've talked steak. We've talked margaritas and we've talked uncertainty principle. Anything you want to add to wrap this party up? That's all I can think of. All right. Well, we'll talk again soon. Rock and roll. Have a great day and a great steak.